Fran fam, what's going on? Listen, before we start this podcast episode, I have a very, very small favor to ask of each and every single one of you guys. I appreciate the support that all of you have been showing for the podcast up until this point, but we want to try and get these episodes out to as many people as possible. And how we do that on the audio side is by leaving a review and dropping a five-star rating. So if you've been a consistent listener of the pod, please, before we get this episode started, it only takes a couple of seconds, leave a review. It could be a two-word, three-word, four-word review or just leave a rating do something to get the word out so that we can get the marvin francois show to more listeners moving forward outside of that love you guys appreciate the support but without further ado let's get into this episode all right so i'm about to give y'all some game all right so y'all better be taking notes let's go this, this is called reverse sourcing right because like you said you could easily go to costco or sam's club and scan like a thousand products and eventually you'll find one but that's not the smart way to do it uh, there's a quicker way to do it so what i tell people is if you want to find like a product that you can sell today um, go on amazon.com again this is called reverse sourcing if you click on any product on amazon um, under the buy now button it's going to say sold by and then it's going to say the seller's name mm. so it's going to be like a hyperlink like it might say uh rivera llc you know or someone's llc it's it's a third-party seller just like me and you mm-hmm. and you can actually click on that seller's name and it'll take you to what's called their their storefront and it'll basically show you that seller's profile and every single product that they're selling on their Amazon account. Mm. And the reason why this is important is because these are third-party sellers like me and you that have managed to open up wholesale accounts with these different brands and suppliers. Not every brand and supplier is willing to allow you to sell their products on Amazon. But when you click on a seller's profile and you're seeing all the products that they're selling, that has already narrowed the list for you and it's letting you know, hey, look, these brands are working with this seller. Mm. So odds are they're, they're gonna be willing to work with you too. These are brands that have allowed this seller to sell their products on Amazon, so they'll probably let you sell them too. So if you do that enough times, you'll be able to compile this list of products that you now know and brands that you now know that you can contact and open up wholesale accounts with. So that's one of the best methods because you're basically reverse engineering success. The biggest risk that most entrepreneurs take is trying to build a successful business without funding. But that risk is a reality for one out of every three entrepreneurs because their personal credit isn't where it needs to be in order for them to access that capital. Now, the truth is you can close the gap between where your business is versus where you want it to be by leveraging business credit. But if your personal credit report is poor, 99% of banks and lenders are going to deny you from doing so. And I should know because a couple of years ago, I leveraged my personal credit report to get funding from Chase to start my company. And now that very same company, Take All Financial, is serving entrepreneurs just like you that are looking to restore their credit to get access to five to six figures in funding. So if you wanna go from risk to reward, click the link above or below this video to schedule your free consultation so that we can restore your credit and put you in position to access capital to build the business of your dreams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Marvin Francois Show, your number one source for all things business, finance, and investing. And today is a very special day because our guest today is an e-commerce expert. He's the owner of Ecom Degree University, the Rich and Fit Club here in Georgia, and Rivera Capital Group Properties as well. Now, although he has planted his flag in several spaces within the world of entrepreneurship, whether it be buying condominiums in Miami or opening gyms in Chambly, his specialty has, is, and probably will forever be helping new and aspiring entrepreneurs make money online through e-commerce, specifically through Amazon Wholesale. And today, he's here to do more of the same. I'm here with the one, the only, 
Mr. Will Rivera. What's going on, family? How are you? Hey, man, I appreciate you for having me on. That intro was crazy. Listen, man, I, I, I tell people, man, I'm always going to give you the best intro of all the podcasts you've been on. I have to, bro. I have to. How are you, family? How's everything? I'm doing good, man. Just just been working. Um, yeah, same same thing every day, bro. The routine's been consistent. Not, not much has changed. Not much has changed. Grinding, getting to it. I'm extremely excited to have you on. I know that you have, bro, you've been on fire lately. Absolutely killing it and just watching you from afar. I know we got connected last year. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, the interview's been a long time coming. Obviously, I know your schedule is super duper crazy, but of course, I'm extremely excited to have you on here because I know a lot of people in the e-commerce space who are having great success, but you are one of the big biggest faces, especially when we talk about this Amazon wholesale game. So I said, listen, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring you <laughs> on here to break it down for my audience. Um, I did an okay job introducing you, but of course, nobody knows Will, Will Rivera better than Will Rivera. So for those who aren't familiar, let's get them familiar. Take a second, take a minute to let the people know who exactly is Will Rivera. Yeah, so my name's William Rivera. Um, what I like to, I like to give people with a quick summary. So it's like felon at 17 to multi-millionaire at 24. That's kind of like my tagline, just so I don't have to get too deep into my story. But um, yeah, back in the day, I used to like play basketball a lot. So basketball was like my whole life growing up, mm -hmm. high school, AAU, all that. And then uh, eventually my school, we like transferred to coaches and my school became like a big basketball school. So my position is point guard. Out of nowhere, we started having six foot five point guards transferred into the school, right? So I'm, I'm smart. I'm not a dumb guy. I'm like, all right, it's pretty much cut for me, right? <laughs> right so I need right. to figure out something else to do. So um, immediately the first thing I thought of was like, you know what, let me, let me make money. Like uh, I'm not making any money right now. Um, I'm seeing my mom work multiple jobs. Like I'm seeing her struggle. Like, let me try to help out in some type of way. So I started getting all these jobs, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. I started working at Burlington, Cracker Barrel. Like I went through all these jobs and I was like the worst employee ever. And it's just because <laughs> like, I'm not good at being told what to do. Right. And at first I thought something was wrong with me. I was, I was like, wow, why am I such a bad employee? Like compared to like all my friends that are able to just keep jobs and just stay there and be good at it. Right. And, um, Eventually, I just realized, yeah, just working for someone wasn't for me. So I started looking into, you know, the, the online space on Google, just searching up how to make money online, how to make money from home. And I got put into the make money online algorithm, right, that we're all in. I started seeing ads of different opportunities, uh, wholesale real estate, crypto, stocks, uh, e-commerce, dropshipping. And dropshipping kind of caught my eye in the beginning because it was something that I could do from home that didn't require a lot of time or a lot of money which I didn't have a lot of money, but I did have a lot of time. So um, I started investing time into that. If you don't know what dropshipping is, it's basically selling products online without having to keep any inventory of the item. Um, you're basically selling a product on your site for one price and you're sourcing it from somewhere else for a cheaper price, right? And the supplier is shipping it to your customer. So I got into that while I was working at an Amazon warehouse and that was doing well for me, right? Like I went, I went a year without making any money and then eventually I found a product that started doing well for me. Some of you guys may have seen the product before. It's called a distance bracelet. So it's basically a like, bracelet? Oh, yeah, it's like a white beaded bracelet with one black bead on it. And okay. it's a black beaded bracelet with one white bead on it. So it's like a couple's product. Like, okay. Yeah, it's a couple's product. Um, and it was going viral on Instagram. I kept seeing like an ad over and over again of that product. And in my mind, I was like, okay, if I keep seeing this ad, obviously the person that's running the ad is making money because they wouldn't be wasting money on advertising just for months if the product isn't selling. Mm -hmm. So I decided to sell the same exact thing at a cheaper price on a better website. And that was kind of like my come up right there. I was able to make like over $50,000 with that one product. Mm -hmm. um, I quit my Amazon job, which I actually left to work at LA Fitness just so I could have more time to put into this dropshipping business. And then that's how my e-commerce journey started. Mm -hmm. um, 
a couple years later after that, I got into Amazon okay. because the pandemic hit and I just saw how Amazon was exploding during the time. And uh, I got onto Am- I got into Amazon because what I realized was, yeah, drop shipping is cool, but you have to be a marketing wizard somewhat to make that work. Okay. Because when you when you're creating these websites, no one really knows about your product. Like you have to run a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad to grab these people's attention. And if you're not good at advertising, then no one's ever going to know about your product or, or buy your products, right? Most people's businesses fail because they're not good at marketing. Like marketing is like a skill that that isn't easy to learn, Facts. right? Um, and what intrigued me about Amazon is being on Amazon.com is your marketing. So instead of trying to find products that are trendy, instead of trying to create your own brand or create your own clothing line, I realized that you can actually partner with big companies like Sony, Logitech, Fiji, open up wholesale accounts with them, Mm -hmm. and then just sell their products for retail on Amazon. And these brands already have millions of people that know, like, and trust them Mm -hmm. that are searching for their products on Amazon. So when I found out that loophole, I got into that and then... Now we're here yeah. where we are today. So. Living life lovely. You know, yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you see you see the necklace. You see the shirt. <laughs> you, see, you see the watch. I think it's safe to say you made a great decision jumping into the e-commerce race. Appreciate it, bro. Most definitely. So let's take a couple steps back, right? Like you said, um, you were felling at what age? Around 17. Around felling for 17, job to job. You know, you see your mom struggling. You're trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step here, right? Coming out of that situation. Um Ultimately, you find yourself stumbling into the e-commerce space. Now, that started with you just doing some Google searches and trying to figure out, okay, how can I make money online? Right. Like you I'm, and like all of us, there are so many different opportunities and so many different vehicles that we could have mm-hmm. chose. Um, real estate, which you're in now, we're going to get into a little bit later. Whether it's real estate, whether it's credit, crypto, all these different things. What do you think it was about the e-commerce space that drove you in above all the other ones? Yeah, it was, it was kind of something. Um, honestly, I've always been an introvert. So the idea of being able to make money without ever having to show my face kind of intrigued me. Mm. And it was also something that I learned didn't take a lot of money to start, which I didn't have a lot of money at the time. Mm -hmm. And when I was learning about this, I became obsessed with dropshipping because I was seeing all these kids that were my age or younger on YouTube Mm -hmm. making so much money with this business. Mm -hmm. And I started attending networking events in my area and I actually met someone in person that was doing dropshipping that was making money. Mm-hmm. So when I met someone in person that was doing it, it kind of made it more real to me. Mm-hmm. And that was just what I stuck to, to learning until eventually it worked for me. Got you. What was that process like? Because obviously, you know, you went from having ha- having that situation of becoming a felon and ha- essentially being at a very low point in your life to going through that transition and that transformation into this e-commerce space. What was that process like? Because I know usually when a lot of us are going through that transition and that transformation, there are a lot of people that were normally what we were friends with at that low point that are seeing us go through that where we're not able to go to the parties. We're not able to hang out. We're not able to have a lot of those conversations with a lot of those individuals anymore. And some of them, they understand. Others, they're like, yo, what's going on with dude? Is he not rocking with me anymore? Could you talk a little bit about that as well? Yes. So when that whole situation happened, like I just felt like I had to make it up to my mom because we already like were struggling. And then now she had to like put up the money, uh, raise the money really to like bail me out of jail and everything. So like Mm -hmm. I I felt terrible and I really went into like a a zoned in two years where I was only focused on myself and and trying to really learn any type of skill that would get me out of the situation that I'm in and help my family. So like literally for two years, 
I didn't talk to anyone. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I didn't go to any of the parties. Um, I remember, like, literally being up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., working mm. on my dropshipping business and then checking my Snapchat stories and people are getting lit. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm, I'm, like, 18, 19 at this time. So it's, like, freshman college. Mm. So I'm seeing all of my friends getting lit. And I remember just being, like, damn, it must be nice. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but I, knew, I knew that eventually I was going to crack this code. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, man, it was difficult. But... Um, those two years of not talking to anyone and just being zoned in, like, changed my life. Yeah, yeah. So then from there, you essentially, you made that sacrifice over the course of those two years. You you essentially obsessed over this e-commerce space. You had the success you had in dropshipping before you ultimately transitioned into Amazon Wholesale. Fast forward to now, can you talk a little bit about the success that you've been able to have in the Amazon? If you feel comfortable talking about some of the numbers you've been able to do in the Amazon Wholesale space. And also, I know you have the Ecom Degree University as well. Talk about some of the success that your students have had as well. Yes. Yeah, so as far as Amazon Wholesale, one of our biggest months was, um, well, I'll, I'll give you the backstory. I opened up a wholesale account with this company called Tyvek. Okay. Um, they're big in the construction space. Right. Like if you drive by like new construction homes, usually all the wrapping paper that's on the wood yeah. says Tyvek on it. So yeah, it's yeah. that company, right? So I opened up a, a wholesale account with them. And I was buying these hazmat suits that they make for five to seven dollars, depending on the size. Okay. And those same suits were selling on Amazon for like fifteen to twenty dollars. Mm. And just off that one product, my biggest month was like three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars in twenty-five days mm. with that one product. Um, and that was with zero dollars spent on marketing or advertising. And that's mm. just like the power of Amazon. We've sold other products before, but that is by far probably like the biggest month that I had on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I've had students do the same thing, you know, $100,000 months, $200,000 months. And this is all with name brand products, zero dollars spent on marketing. And, and what's crazy is you talked about Ecom Degree University. I actually created that program. Without now we have over ten thousand students like worldwide like it's, it's arguably probably the biggest e-commerce program out there right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I created that without the intent to even like I didn't know a program could be that big and I didn't know you can make that much money off a program. Facts. Um, I literally created it because in my local town, like in my county, mm-hmm. I was one of the only people that was on social media. Number one, documenting like entrepreneurship. And I was one of the only people in my county doing like e-commerce at all. Mm-hmm. So I kind of blew up locally first mm-hmm. and I was throwing all these workshops in my town for free, just mm-hmm. helping people. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of my high school friends started getting results. Like they started going crazy with Shopify, dropshipping, Amazon. And uh, eventually I got a, I started getting so many DMs for people to, that wanted help mm-hmm. that I was like, you know what, let me just create a program and uh, they can just watch it rather than me having to help everyone one on one. And at the time in my head, I was like, you know what, like, if I drop this program and I make $10,000, I'm lit. Right. Right. Facts. Like that, that, was, that was as big as I thought. Right. At the time. And uh, I dropped it and I made like 10K my first month. And then mm-hmm. and now selling it at like $100. Mm. And, you know, now it's evolved to what it is now. Like I said, 10,000 students worldwide. We probably have like 100 to 200 students enroll every week. And yes, it's, it's been crazy. Bro. Rocking. So let, let's dive deeper into Amazon Wholesale then, if that's the case. Because like I said, I think as far as e-com go, the average consumer only knows about drop shipping when we think of e-com. But what's dope about you is that you provide a different angle to it, which is Amazon Wholesale. I don't know mm-hmm. too many people that talk about the Amazon Wholesale game, especially as much as you do, right? Let's break it down for people who are watching this episode so they understand like step by step, okay, this is how I get started. This is how I build. Here's how I avoid these mistakes. This is what I need to do right. Yeah. What I need to stay away from everything. Can we do that? Is that yeah, right with you? For sure. So like Amazon Wholesale, before I even get into it, 
um, I want to explain like the concept and why it works, right? So like a lot of people know who Sam Walton is, right? Sam Walton is the founder of Walmart. And the reason why Walmart was so successful was because it was kind of one of the first stores that not they didn't sell their own products. They sold products of other brands that people already know, knew, liked, and trusted, right? right? So Walmart, when you walk into Walmart, yeah, they have their own products in there, but they also have Kellogg's. They got, you know, all these brands that people already know, like, and trust. Um, therefore, they don't have to do any advertising for those brands because these brands are already spending millions on commercials, et cetera. People are already walking the door knowing that they want to buy those products. Right. You can essentially be like a Walmart, but online, and you're using Amazon's marketplace. That's what Amazon Wholesale is. So instead of creating your own clothing line or inventing a product or having to be good at marketing, you can partner with these companies that have already figured all that out. And they actually allow you to open up wholesale accounts with them where you can buy their products in bulk at wholesale prices and then sell them on Amazon. Now, Amazon, people don't know this, but over 50% of the products on their website are sold by third-party sellers like myself. The way Amazon makes money is they take a percentage of all the orders that we get. Mm -hmm. But Amazon isn't in the business of selling products. They created the marketplace. They were smart. They created the, the marketplace and they're allowing people like you and me to make money and they're just taking a percentage of everything. Mm. Right. So and that's why they have all these warehouses, because all these warehouses are there to store our products. And then they use their employees to fulfill all these items, you know, with prime shipping and all that. So if you've ever ordered on Amazon. Uh, you've participated in what's called Amazon FBA. So Amazon FBA stands for F FBA stands for fulfillment by Amazon. So let's say if I open up a wholesale account with Fiji and I call them and I tell them I want to order a thousand Fiji waters at wholesale price, Fiji is not shipping me a thousand Fiji waters. Mm -hmm. Fiji Fiji is going to ship those one thousand units that I ordered from them mm -hmm. to Amazon's warehouse, and then every time someone orders Fiji on Amazon. Amazon is going to ship it directly to my customer with prime shipping, and then I get paid. That's kind of how the process works. So we're still not touching any product, and we're not shipping any product. Amazon is basically doing most of the work. The only work that you're doing is you're opening up the wholesale accounts, and you're ordering product over the phone or via email. This is crazy. Hold on. Let me sit up. Let me sit up. <laughs> so essentially, like... It's really it, it sounds like a huge game of leverage, right? Because right. essentially Amazon is the marketplace and they're not the ones that are creating the product. And we know this. They're not the ones that are creating products. They're just, like you said, hosting the marketplace where the products are being purchased and sold. Right. Yeah. And then you as a third party seller, you're not creating the products either. You're not marketing. You're not doing anything. You're essentially taking these big brands like a Nike, like a Under Armour, like a one product I've seen you push a lot, like Lysol or something like yeah. that. You're taking all their the hard work they've already done of the marketing and the creation of the product, and you're just leveraging that and making a profit off of it, while Amazon is also making a profit off of hosting those pro pro products as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, you know, this is just how business works. A lot of people don't really realize it, but like Walmart does the same thing. Like Walmart... They buy Lysol products in bulk mm -hmm. and then they store them in their in their stores and they sell it for a little bit more of a markup because they have the traffic. They know that Walmart is a big name. People are going to come. Amazon is essentially the same thing as Walmart, but online. Amazon knows they have the traffic. Amazon knows people are going to come to their website. So they allow you to sell on their website. And these brands allow us sellers to buy from them because they would rather sell us a thousand units in bulk rather than sell them one, one on like one by one on Amazon. Got you. Before the episode, I did I did I did a little research on 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 the, on the Amazon space as well. So you mentioned FBA, but I also know there's something called FBM. If I'm yeah. correct on that, can you talk about you broke down FBA, break down FBM, and kind of just the key similarities and differences between the two? 
Right. So FBM stands for fulfillment by merchant. Merchant okay. being you, you know, us. Mm-hmm. So and so FBA is where basically Amazon is doing a lot of the work. They're shipping out the product for you. Um, your inventory is stored in their warehouse. FBM is where you're doing a lot of the work, where you're actually, you know, getting the product from Costco, Sam's Club, all these stores like that. You're storing the product in your house mm-hmm. and then you're shipping it to your customer yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference is, like I said, one is more passive than the other. But the reason why some people do FBM rather than FBA is because FBA does require a little bit more money mm. simply because if you open a wholesale account with a company directly, most of the time they're going to have what's called an MOQ, which stands for minimum order quantity. So like if I order or if I open up a wholesale account with Fiji and they tell me, um, OK, cool, like welcome, like you can now order wholesale from us. But our MOQ is 100. That means I have to order 124 packs minimum. So like, let's say if each 24 pack is like $20, that's 2000 out the gate that I need minimum to play with them. Mm. Um, Now, FBM, there is no MOQ because you're sourcing products directly from these big box retailers. Like if you go into Costco, they're not going to tell you you have to order 100 minimum. You can order one. Mm -hmm. You can buy two. You can buy three. Um, But you can still sell those products on Amazon. The only difference is now you actually have to go and ship it. But um my little brother, he does FBM because, you know, my little brother, he didn't start with a lot of money. I didn't give him money. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, this is the play. Go run it. Right. Mm-hmm. So he had like a couple hundred dollars. Uh, my mom would take him to Costco and the Amazon seller app, which you can download on your iPhone. It comes with a barcode scanner. Okay. And in that app, you can actually scan products mm-hmm. that you find at the store. And the app will tell you if these products are profitable to sell on Amazon or not. So my brother, he would just go to Costco. He's like 15 years old. He would go to Costco, scan like 50 to 100 products a day and he would just find products that are profitable and then he would sell them on amazon so he got up to like five thousand dollars a month crazy at 15 years old you know crazy. on amazon doing fbm bro if you five if you 15 making five thousand dollars a month life's good life, <laughs> yeah. life is sensational okay so that that's that's essentially the just the key breakdown of the difference between the two essentially if i'm looking to get into e-commerce space more specifically into amazon wholesale and i'm trying to decide which route to go to does it Am I ultimately basing it on how much money I have to start? Because essentially, that's what it sounds like, right? Yeah, yeah. So definitely. I always tell people, like, FBA is the best way to do it. Okay. But if you don't have at least $2,000 or more, I usually say 2000 is, like, a good amount. Okay. Then um, do FBM. You okay, know, you gotcha. can start there and work your way up to FBA to gotcha. where it's more passive for you. To, to touch on, we're going to touch, going to dive deep into both sides. Let's start with FBM. It essentially sounds like because you're going to these big whole, you mentioned Costco, you're going to these wholesale um suppliers you're going in there with your the amazon app you're scanning the code to kind of see the price price differential between the two to see if it's profitable and you're buying as many as possible you don't have to deal with the moq like mm-hmm. you said right you bring it back to the crib but essentially you're handling a lot of the fulfillment yourself instead of amazon doing it which you know when you think about scale right it can become a little bit much especially if you're really ramping things up is there anything that we're able to do from the fbm side to where we can make the little the process a little less hands-on similar to what we're doing fba or not really yeah so i mean i know people that do fbm at a a big scale to where the to where because the thing is like you said fbm limits you because like let's say for example if you get a thousand orders today because your product is going crazy it's going to be hard for you yourself to fulfill a thousand orders right that's a thousand orders you have to box up that's a thousand orders you got to take the ups and ship out but if you're doing fba it doesn't matter you could get ten thousand orders today your products are in Amazon's warehouse. They got a thousand employees. It's going to go out today by mm-hmm. the end of the day. So you can infinitely scale with FBA. With FBM, if you want to scale, 
you're going to have to, one, get a bigger space because you probably won't be able to store all that product in your garage once you mm -hmm. start scaling. And you're going to have to hire. And I know people that do that. Like, I know people that do FBM that have their own warehouse now and they have employees and they're just running an FBM business. Um, and they're doing FBM and FBA. So some of the products they're shipping themselves directly to their customers. Mm -hmm. And then some products they're shipping to Amazon's warehouse and then they're doing FBA. Can you do both at the same time? Yeah, you can do both at the same time. But you strictly do FBA. Yeah, I strictly do FBA. But you, do you know of individuals that do FBA and FBM or do you... Yeah, yeah. So like I know people that have warehouses and like the Amazon truck will come and they'll put they'll load the truck with pallets. And wow. these are products that are going to go to Amazon's warehouse and okay. they're going to be sold through FBA. And then they also have products that just go FBM, like the UPS truck will come and they'll load it in the UPS truck and UPS will ship it to the customer. So that's FBM. And the reason why they do that is because some some products you actually make or Amazon takes less fees when you do FBM. Because you're using less of their labor power, you know, gotcha, so you're gotcha, shipping it gotcha. yourself. Okay, cool. So we broke down, we understand now the difference between the two. So now if I'm listening, okay, I have an idea. FBA makes more sense for me or FBM makes more sense for me. But the name of the game, now that we understand which route we're going to take is now we have to go out and find the product, right? What is right. this product that we're going to leverage to get that, you know, to get that dinero, to get that bag, 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 right? <laughs> right? What are some of the strategies that we can implement, right? Because there are literally millions of products that we can choose from on Amazon, but I'm sure it's not just as simple as just choosing one and then taking a run with it, right? We have, mm -hmm. It has to be some type of research that goes into it. What strategies can we implement to go about finding, whether we're doing FBA or FBM, to find the, find the right product to start our Amazon wholesale business with? All right, so I'm about to give y'all some game, all right? So y'all better be taking notes. Let's go. This, this is called reverse sourcing, right? Because like you said, you could easily go to Costco or Sam's Club and scan like a thousand products and eventually you'll find one, but that's not the smart way to do it. Uh, there's a quicker way to do it. So what I tell people is if you want to find like a product that you can sell today, um, go on amazon.com. Again, this is called reverse sourcing. If you click on any product on Amazon, um, under the buy now button, it's going to say sold by, and then it's going to say the seller's name. Mm. So it's going to be like a hyperlink. Like it might say uh, Rivera LLC, you know, or someone's LLC. It's, it's a third party seller, just like me and you. Mm -hmm. And you can actually click on that seller's name and it'll take you to what's called their, their storefront. And it'll basically show you that seller's profile and every single product that they're selling on their Amazon account. Mm. And the reason why this is important is because these are third-party sellers like me and you that have managed to open up wholesale accounts with these different brands and suppliers. Not every brand and supplier is willing to allow you to sell their products on Amazon. But when you click on a seller's profile and you're seeing all the products that they're selling, that has already narrowed the list for you and it's letting you know, hey, look, these brands are working with this seller. Mm -hmm. So odds are they're, they're going to be willing to work with you too. These are brands that have allowed this seller to sell their products on Amazon, so they'll probably let you sell them too. So if you do that enough times, you'll be able to compile this list of products that you now know and brands that you now know that you can contact and open up wholesale accounts with. So that's one of the best methods because you're basically reverse engineering success. You're because if you click on a seller's name, it'll also tell you like how many reviews that seller has. So if you click on a seller and it says they have a thousand reviews in the last 30 days you know they're killing it and now you see all the products that they're selling you can sell the same products and you can open up wholesale accounts with the same brands this is getting good ladies and gentlemen this is getting very good okay okay let's dive a little bit more into that right so essentially like you once again it's leverage right, right. how can we 
maximize our results while minimizing the amount of work we do. Instead of us sitting here spending hours, to your point, in Costco, in these big wholesale stores, trying to figure it out on our own, let's just see what the winning strategy is that some established sellers are already doing. Um, I'm curious to know, based off your experience and your time being in this space, are there any, I wouldn't say any products specifically, if you have any specific products, that's cool, but I'm sure as the market changes, those products change as well. Are there any specific spaces when it comes to Amazon wholesale where ideally most sellers gear to? So for example, um, home goods, right? Is that, is that typically a space where most of the winning products are, or is it sporting goods? Is it cleaning products? Is it, you know, vitamins? Like talk to us a little bit about that. So the thing about Amazon is it's a, it's a crazy marketplace. Like Lysol sells a hundred thousand units a month. Uh, toothpaste sells like a million units a month. So really, everything on Amazon, it's a big brand name, is moving like crazy. Right. So it's not really what product should I sell. It's more so um, open up as many wholesale accounts as you can with as many big brands as you can. Mm. Um, I will say, though, you want to stick with products that are lightweight because the more the product weighs, the more Amazon is going to charge you for shipping. Mm. So home goods actually probably wouldn't be a good category just because... You know, if you're selling like chairs or furniture or anything like that, it's right. probably heavier. So um, a lot of the products that I've been successful with selling are s- small products that don't take up a lot of space and don't weigh a lot either. The biggest risk that most entrepreneurs take is trying to build a successful business without funding. But what if I told you that risk doesn't have to be your reality just by you having access to the right information? What's going on, family? My name is Marvin Francois, and just a couple of years ago, I was a new entrepreneur trying to turn my dreams of building a successful business into a reality. Now, once I learned that the key to me doing so was accessing business credit, I accessed the funding I needed, leveraged it to build multiple six-figure businesses, and I haven't looked back since. And now I want to give you the exact blueprint that I used to do this so that you could do the same for your business as well. So this Thursday, I'm going to be hosting my free bankroll your business masterclass, where I'm going to be teaching you how to access a minimum of $50,000 in funding, whether you have good credit, bad credit, or no credit so that you can take that funding to build the business of your dreams. But listen, we only have a hundred seats. And by the time you watch this video, about half of them are going to be gone. So if you haven't already click the link above or below this video to secure your seat, and I'll see you on Thursday. Let's go. Okay, got you. Now, once we find a lot of the, you, you know, you said the name of the game is trying to open up as many of these wholesale accounts as we possibly can, right? How, what's that process look like? Is it a, a simply like hit sending a message to Fiji and being like, yo, can I sell for y'all? And then that's it. Or is it more red tape that's associated with it? Like what's the time frame usually look like? What are the back and forth usually look like? Do we have to provide licensing, paperwork? Talk to me right. a little bit about that. So yeah, it could be as simple as that. Like Fiji literally has a wholesale application on their website. You fill it out and then they get back to you within 72 hours, right? Oh, wow. So um, sometimes it is as simple as that. Um, I've had wholesale accounts that I've opened with distributors where I'll call them and I'll be like, you know, I'm trying to place a port purchase order with you guys. Like I sell a lot of products online and they'll tell me like, no, we don't work with Amazon sellers. And then I'll call them again and again and again. And eventually they're like, all right, cool. Like, well, we need like right. we're low on funds right now. We'll, <laughs> right, right. we'll allow you to buy from us. So sometimes it is a back and forth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those relationships are the best ones because now you probably have a connection that not a lot of other Amazon sellers have. Mm-hmm. You probably have access to products that not a lot of, not a lot of other Amazon sellers have as well. Mm-hmm. So it look, it's, it's kind of like a back and forth sometimes. And sometimes it's as straight up as just filling out the application. Now, there are two things that you need to open up any Amazon wholesale account with any big brand. Mm-hmm. And it's an LLC and a reseller's permit. So you do need those two things to open up a wholesale account with a big brand. 
LLC, though, is simple to get. Go to the Secretary of State website for whatever state you live in. Mm-hmm. Purchase it. It's like $100. Mm-hmm. And then the reseller's permit, you go to the Department of Revenue website for the state that you live in. And in Georgia, it's actually free. So mm-hmm. it might cost different prices wherever you live. Got you. Got you. Got you. Let's dive a little deeper. Because for me, I want to make sure that we, anyone who's interested in getting this space, I want to make sure we answer all their questions and just eliminate any excuses they may create for themselves why they can't get started with Amazon Wholesale, right? Let's say I'm listening to this interview and i hear you breaking down a game i'm like okay all this sounds good but like you know i see a guy like a will rivera he has ten thousand people in ecom degree university this dude is marketing his you know marketing his tail off there are probably hundreds and thousands of people now that are opening these amazon wholesale accounts now how do i as someone who's looking to get in this space i find a winning product how what am i going to do as a seller to essentially put my product in the best position possible to where right. most people are coming and buying mine, right? Because like I said, I'm probably not the only wholesaler or only seller, third-party seller that's working with Fiji. There are probably thousands of other people. I'm probably competing against Will Rivera, right? Right. What am I doing to give my my account the edge? Or am I essentially just at the mercy of the Amazon algorithm? Right. So the cool thing about Amazon is number one, there's millions of products on there. So like there's a lot of products on there that I'm not selling. So y'all are lucky. Y'all just sell stuff that I'm not selling. But <laughs> But that's one thing. Two is there will never be a time where there are more sellers than buyers. Like, it's just impossible. Like, over 80% of the U.S. population shops on Amazon. And it's a space that will never get saturated simply because we live in a consumer-based society. And there will always be 100,000 times more buyers Mm -hmm. than sellers, right? And the beauty of Amazon, too, is it's not like eBay where, like, let's say you list... uh, a Sony camera for sale. Mm-hmm. If I have the same exact Sony camera and they're both new, there's still going to be two listings. There's going to be your listing and there's going to be my listing. Mm-hmm. And people have to choose which one they want to buy. Amazon doesn't work like that. If I'm selling Fiji water and it's a 24 pack and you're selling Fiji water and it's a 24 pack, me and you are going to be on the same listing. Mm-hmm. If you type in Fiji 24 pack on Amazon, there's not a hundred listings that pop up. There's only one. Mm-hmm. There's only one listing for every product on Amazon. And the way Amazon works is every time someone orders from that listing, it rotates the sales amongst all the sellers. Mm. So if there's, let's say if there's uh, 10 sellers on a listing and that one listing gets 100 orders a month, that means every seller is getting roughly 10 orders a month because it rotates it amongst all of them. Gotcha, gotcha. So the the algorithm actually helps a lot of these sellers in, in that sense. Yeah, exactly. And if you're a new seller, it's not like there's not really... Um, you don't really have a disadvantage because you're getting orders based on the the brand power of the product that you're selling. Mm. So it's not based on like how many reviews you have or any of that stuff. Like the sellers that do have like a bunch of reviews, they might get favored a little bit, but you're still put into the rotation. You're still going to get like the average amount of sales that everyone else is getting. Got you. Is there ever going to come a time, let's say we find a winning product, is there ever going to come a time where we have to, like, how do we know when it's time to pivot from a product? Because I'm I'm assuming that we may have a product that brings us our Amazon account a lot of success for three months, six months, maybe a year, year plus if we're lucky, right? Is there ever going to come a time where we may have to pivot from a product based off of just what's going on in the market? Have you ever had to pivot from a product? Could, talk, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I mean, you'll you'll pretty much know because we use um, we use tools like there's a tool called Keepa that gives you like the price history of a product, and it, and you also can look at the sales rank history. Okay. So usually, the lower the sales rank of a product, the faster velocity that it sells in, like the more volume it sells in every single day. Okay. And then the higher the sales rank, the slower it sells, hmm. and it'll show you like the sales rank of a product over a year span. 
So you might see that your product from like January to March is hot. Mm. Like it's selling a bunch of units every day. And then from March to like September, it slows down. So you'll kind of, by looking at that, you can kind of gauge like, okay, I want to buy a lot of inventory in these months. Mm -hmm. And then I want to slow down in my inventory in these months. But I mean, I'm not going to lie. Amazon is pretty consistent. Like usually, as long as you're selling something that people are constantly buying, Mm. you won't really see sales slow down that much. Gotcha. Um, the the thing that's going to maybe slow down your sales more than the seasonality of the product is maybe just more sellers selling that same product. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then just to confirm, is there a deal number? Because we essentially we can have a successful Amazon wholesale business with just one product. Is there a number that we should work towards? Is it, Should we look to have one product, two, three, four, five? Or does it, it vary, I guess, from per, each person's, I guess, whatever they're looking to do in terms of income? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just up to you. I would say get as many as possible because, mm-hmm. I mean, you never know. One product might stop selling for you, but as long as you got these other ones that are consistently selling as well, um, then you're good. I look at I look at products like rental properties. So it's like you might as well stack as many as you can because mm-hmm. you're going to build your, your passive income that way. But I do know people that, you know, they're, they sell one product and they make $5,000, $10,000 a month because they have one really good relationship that not many other people have. So they're just dominating with that one product. So there are one products, like there are products that you can sell that you can make a lot of money with, Mm -hmm. but I think it's good to be selling like a lot. What's the biggest L that you've taken in the Amazon wholesale space, if any at all? Um, I think the biggest, I haven't really taken L's as far as like losing money on product, but I've taken L's as far as like not taking opportunities that could have made me a lot of money. Give me an example. Like um, there's an example uh, of this one product. So there was this one product, I think it was like a Keurig, um, it was, yeah, the coffee, like a, the coffee thing. Yeah, the coffee, okay. coffee machine. So I had the opportunity to buy like, it was like a couple hundred units. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a pretty big order. I think it was like forty, like forty k or like fifty k for like a certain amount of units. Mm-hmm. And I remember just passing on it um, because I, I guess I just wasn't trying to spend that much at the time. And um, out of nowhere, like the price of that Keurig on Amazon mm-hmm. like went up like thirty or forty percent. Because they were just hot at the time. Mm. And the same amount of units that I was going to spend $40,000 on, Mm. that many units sold on Amazon like that same week. And there was only a couple sellers. So it's like I could have spent 40 and made like 70, 80 back in (laughs) one week and just completely got my capital back. So it's like and there's been multiple instances like that that Mm. I've missed out on. So I think as far as Amazon, there's a lot of opportunity that will come. And if you don't take advantage of it, then, yeah, you'll end up losing like what you could have made. Got you. Outside of and, and one final question about the Amazon wholesale outside of the outside of the you mentioned earlier how we could look directly at some of these Amazon seller accounts and see what they're selling to find winning products. Are there any other like resources we can use as well to kind of get a heads up on products that may be on the horizon or maybe on the, on the come up as well? Like I know with drop shipping, TikTok trends is like a big thing for most drop shippers that most drop shippers use. Is there anything else that we could use on the Amazon wholesale side outside of, you know, looking at sellers accounts to find these products? Yeah. So Amazon has a category. So if you go on Amazon's website, they have the best sellers category, but then they have another category called movers and shakers Mm. and movers and shakers are are basically all the products that have significantly um, increased in sales in the past 24 hours. Mm. And that list is updated hourly. Mm. So that's a category that you can look at to see what products are trending up. Um, but like I said, Amazon it's kind of it's kind of different than Shopify dropshipping because when you're when you're doing like Shopify dropshipping or selling your own products, you do have to identify trends and you do have to stay on top of trends because 
products they blow up and then they die but amazon it's like a lot of the products on there stay really consistent like if you're selling bounty paper towels it's going to be hot in january just as hot as it is in december Mm -hmm. because people need paper towels right (laughs) so it's like it's like a whole different game Listen, if you're an entrepreneur struggling to get funding because of your bad credit, then this video is for you. You see, I understand that when banks deny businesses for funding, they're not just denying businesses the capital they need, but they're also denying business owners the resources that they need to build the business of their dreams. And as a business owner, I've seen this happen over and over and over and over again, but I want you to know that there's a solution. Because here at Takeoff Financial, we've helped countless entrepreneurs just like you go from having poor personal credit and not being able to access funding to having perfect personal credit that they were able to leverage to access five to six figures in funding, and we want you to be the next one. So click the link above or below this video to secure your free consultation, and we'll see you on the other side of success, family. Let's switch gears here, because like I said at the top of the episode, you are a expert in the e-commerce space, a specialist in the e-commerce space, but you're also a serial entrepreneur as well, right? Mm-hmm. You've essentially taken the money that you've been able to make in the e-commerce space and you've started investing in a couple of different spaces. I want to talk about some of those investments as well. I want to start off with Rich and Fit. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about Rich and Fit. For those who don't know, you actually own a gym right here in Georgia, uh, the Rich and Fit uh, gym. Could you talk a little bit about, first off, how that came to be? Because I don't know too many gym owners, dog. I don't know too many gym <laughs> right. owners. How, how did Rich and Fit come to be? Talk about that story. Yeah, so for one, I had no intention ever of opening a gym, but okay. um, I remember one day I was on Instagram and I was just going through stories, like I was just killing time, and I saw one of my boys working out, like he had posted workout footage, but it was like this HD 4K footage and like good lighting and everything, and then the person holding the camera was like motivating him, like screaming, like just high energy. I was like, yo. It's like, where do you train at, bro? Mm-hmm. And then he told me, he was like, I go to this gym. And he was like, this is my trainer. He's also a videographer. So that was the first time, like, I was like, wow, like, I saw someone that's a videographer and a trainer at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that dynamic was crazy for some reason, which which it is. Like, if you have both those skills, like, right. it's kind of wild. Right. So I was like, you know, yeah, let me start training with you because, you know, social media is, is big for me. So, like, I need the content. Mm-hmm. And plus, I like working out. So I was like, I might as well get a good workout in and get the content, too. Right. So I started working out with him, and then I met uh, this guy named Timmy, who's one of, he's my business partner for Rich and Fit now, mm-hmm. and he was the trainer at the time. Mm-hmm. And Timmy, like I said, not only was he a great trainer, had, had the highest energy I've ever seen anyone have, mm-hmm. but he was also a great videographer. And every mm-hmm. time we would work out, he would give me the footage like instantly. Like, I would work out, and before I left, he would have the footage airdrop to my phone. Crazy. Because he had this, like, SD card, like, adapter that goes into your iPhone. Like, he'd just give you the footage right there. Mm-hmm. And, like, it helped my business a lot because it increased my content output like crazy. Because mm. I had every workout, I already had two clips ready to go for the day. Like, just from, from working out. And um, of, so we were working out, and we got kicked out of that gym because uh, he was just too high energy. Mm. I started posting the content. Other people started posting the content. And a bunch of people started training with us. Like the group grew from like three people to like 20, 25, mm-hmm. 30. And he just, he was packing out other people's gyms, but they just weren't supportive of the energy because it was like too wild. So we went from one gym to another gym, got kicked out of the other gym. And then eventually we ended up at Lifetime, which didn't last long because it's a big commercial gym. So they don't really like, uh, like high, energy. high energy and stuff. Right. So eventually one day I just asked him, I was like, yo, like, would you ever be interested in opening up your own gym? And he told me, he was like, yeah, but I just don't have everything in place to do it yet. And I was like, you pay for that. You know, mm-hmm. like you're like, if all you got to do is keep being you and people will come and everything else gets figured out. 
So he said he was down to do it. So me and my other business partner, Benny, mm-hmm. we literally leased a spot like the same week. Crazy. And then we started Rich and Fit. And the reason why we called it Rich and Fit is because as we were working out at these other gyms, I realized that the type of network that we were attracting wasn't like a regular network. It was like we were working out in big groups of 20, 30, 40 people, but it was like all entrepreneurs. Mm. And there would be times where I would go and work. Like I bought my first, uh, and I know we're going to talk about real estate later, but the 24 unit that I bought, that deal came to me as I was working out. Really? Yeah. Like I wasn't about to buy it. And then I was working out. And then one of the guys that I was working out with, he was able to help me close on that deal. So like a lot of things like that happen. Like I would I would also work out and put people onto the Amazon game and the next thing you know they show up for the next workout and they're making $500 a day on Amazon. So it's like a lot of stuff happened within that network and I quickly realized that this isn't a workout group, it's more of like a mastermind. And um that's how Rich and Fit came to be, you know, we created Rich and Fit and the whole mantra of Rich and Fit is you know, the same characteristics that it takes to get fit is the same characteristics that it takes to get rich. Mm-hmm. So why not be both? Come on out. And um, it's also just an open space where you can work out, but also network, right? Because I know at a lot of commercial gyms, you might see someone that you see on social media, but you're scared to approach him because you're like, you know, he's working out. Like, let me not say anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas rich and fit, like you see a lot of like influencers there, entrepreneurs, but it's an open environment where you know you can exchange value and get a good workout in and get great content too so 100 yeah. and i'm actually happy you brought that up because that was going to be my next point and asking right like you didn't name this gym the will rivera gym like <laughs> i think you were very intentional about naming it rich and fit because like even when we think about different gyms like for example you have a gym like planet fitness which charges ten dollars a month for people to sign up you put that next to a equinox i think equinox charges like what two hundred dollars a month something like yeah, that it's up there. the kind of people that sign up for equinox are not going to be the same individuals that sign up for planet fitness right and right. Equinox is very intentional about that. And to your point, you branding it as Rich and Fit, bro, every time I'm going on the Rich and Fit Instagram page, I'm literally seeing like high level entrepreneurs working out this pl- at this place. I'm seeing you. I'm seeing the Carter Coalfields. I'm seeing the Dion Coopwoods, the Darius Benders, and I can go on and on and on and on. How important was that branding for you coming from those other gyms that you were working out with to now creating this gym moving forward? And it was, it was very important, bro, because I wanted to attract those type of people because uh, you know, other the other than the fact that yeah, it's a gym, it's yeah, it's a business. Yeah, I want to make money. I also wanted to create like an environment where I know I could go mm-hmm. and and get value myself. Right? There's times where I pull up to my gym and I'm like, yo, like this dude's at my gym right now. Man, right. Let me get some game real quick. Right, right, right. You know, so it's like I created this mastermind um, at a fraction of the cost of what most masterminds charge. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like it's literally a gym membership, but it comes with the mastermind aspect just based on the people that are there. And just the energy that's there, too. And then also to speak speak more about, I think, Temi and TK. Yeah. Yeah, those dudes are insane. Bro, we was at InvestFest. And, like, first off, if Temi and TK are in a sp- anywhere for more than 30 minutes, a couple of things is going to happen. Number one, both their shirts is coming off. Yeah. Somebody's doing backflips and somebody's doing push-ups. There's no in-between, bro. I saw them at the VIP night. Like, I turned around for, like, five seconds. I turned back around again. They had, like, a circle of people around them, and they're, like, both doing backflips. I saw them again at InvestFest weekend. TK was trying to do, like, a handstand on, like, a moving escalator. (laughs) So so it's, like... If you if you if you want to know what rich and fit and buy like you got to see those dudes those their energy is crazy. Can you talk a bit about obviously what that relationship has been like from when you guys first met to now building you know one of the dopest gyms out of Georgia now? Yeah, so what's crazy is TK was my first ever trainer. Really? Yeah, he was my first trainer um, 
I used to live in this county called Gwinnett, which is like 40 minutes from Atlanta. So I would drive every day 40 minutes to train with him Mm -hmm. because he was such a good trainer. And then one day someone rear-ended my Tesla and I had no car because that was the only car I had at the time. Mm -hmm. So then I stopped training with TK, kind of fell off a little bit there because Mm -hmm. like my Tesla took like three months to come in Mm because it's just long story. Teslas, they take forever. to. If you've ever crashed a Tesla, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just takes forever. But then later, I met Timmy, and I met Timmy the way that I just told you guys. I was looking at IG stories, saw people training with him, met Timmy, started training with him. And then I didn't know that Timmy and TK knew each other, so then they started training like together, and we kind of all reunited. And then there's another guy named Ice. I don't know if you ever met him, no, but Ice you. is our other trainer. And the cool thing about Rich and Fit, too, is Timmy, TK, and Ice are our main trainers, but they also have equity in the gym, so they're all owners, too. Wow. Right. So and it's different when the trainer actually owns a part of the gym. Mm -hmm. That's why we have the energy that we have. You know, a lot of trainers, you know, they train at gyms, but they make no money. Facts. It's different when you actually own the spot that you're training in. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, that's that's special. And I'm proud of that. Right. But um, yeah, that's kind of how the relationship started. Just training with them. And then now they're like some of my best friends. You know, Um, a lot of times they travel with me. They record a lot of the vlogs that I've posted, content that I've posted. They're the ones recording that. Mm-hmm. So outside of the gym, they're also recording like the vlogs that I do, um, the meetups that I do, the events that I do. So, um, yeah, I mean, we have a really, really tight relationship. I love it, bro. I love it. Let's, like I said, you are a serial entrepreneur. We talked about the gym side of things. You mentioned it before. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I want to get into it now. Let's talk about this real estate game because... Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this brother here, Rivera Park Apartment Homes, right? You have that here in Georgia. And I think yeah. you recently also made some uh, more acquisitions in Miami as well. Am I correct on that? So I was going to buy a condo in Miami. Okay. Um, I passed on that. Now I'm looking at an 88 unit in East Point. So it's like. Stop. Like stop. It's no, stop. Stop. <laughs> Don't say nothing. Just. Just. How many units? It's 88. I'll end this interview right now. You said eighty-eight. Yeah, eighty-eight units. All right, let's 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 dive into this, man. Let's, like I said, you've planted your flag in the e-commerce space, right? Obviously, you have the Rich and Fit Gym here in Chambly. Um, let's talk about the real estate side. What what exactly was the interest? What pulled you to start investing in real estate? Yeah, so um, real estate. Let's see. Why did I get it? Oh yeah, actually, I know exactly why I got into real estate. So back in twenty twenty one. It was like my first, that was like my first year where I made like over seven figures. Okay. And then I remember like it was lit. Um, January came around Mm -hmm. and then my accountant sent me a letter or like a text and it was like, yo, this is your tax bill. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at it and I was like, I was like, yo, you're crazy, bro. I'm not going to pay this in taxes. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. Like literally that tax bill was probably like close to what I had in my account. Yeah. So I was completely about to wipe my whole account. Yep. And I was like, whoa, like, nah, this is not like, I'm doing something wrong. Like, right, right, this right. is what I have to pay. Mm-hmm. So I started looking into like ways to save more on taxes. Right. And I came across like real estate and multifamily real estate specifically as the best way to save money on taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being on IG one day too and seeing this guy named Bolden mm-hmm. always posting pictures of him sitting on top of his signs. Right. So like if you've ever seen that picture of me sitting on my sign, the Rivera Park, mm-hmm. that was inspired by like the pics that he used to post because he has like 700 units mm-hmm. all in Atlanta, 40 apartment buildings. And I remember one day I just DM'd him. I was like, yo, like I'm doing my thing in the e-commerce space. I want to learn how to buy buildings. 
and he replied to me like after a couple months and I literally just paid him. Um, I remember I paid him like $25,000 just to teach me. Mm -hmm. And he was just teaching me the whole game. And from within six months of him teaching me, I bought my first building. Mm. And me and him are close now, too. Um, that's my guy, Ed Bolden. Y'all should look him up. Yeah, 700 units. He has like over 100 million in real estate. Mm -hmm. And he taught me how to buy my first building. And, and like I said, the reason why I love multifamily is because it's literally a tax haven mm -hmm. for my online business. Mm -hmm. So now I'm able to make all this money online but not have to pay taxes on it as long as I buy enough buildings mm -hmm. every year. Mm -hmm. um, and I can break down the 24-unit deal if you want Does it please? To. Yes, please. Go ahead. Yeah, so like, here's how the numbers work on that. So the 24-unit apartment building, it was $2.6 million. Okay. Um, I had to put 20% uh, down, which was around $400,000. Mm -hmm. So I put four hundred k down. Um, as soon as I bought it, the building got appraised at $2.8 So I made like two hundred k in equity right there. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you guys that don't know this, multifamily is not valued like single family. Mm -hmm. Multi multifamily is valued by how much income it produces. It's valued like a business. Okay. So when I bought that $2.6 million building, everybody was paying about $900 a month in rent. Mm -hmm. Now, it's, it's been about almost a year now. The rents are at like fifteen hundred, fourteen ninety five. Mm -hmm. So it's almost doubled, mm -hmm. right? So when the rents increase, the income of the property increases, which also increases the value. Mm -hmm. So this two point six million dollar building is now valued at three point eight million. So now when I take this back to the bank, that spread of two point six to three point eight, that one point two million, they give it to me. It's called a cash out refinance and it's tax free. So now I make one point two million, it's tax free. And what's cool about this, too, is when I do that cash out refinance, my mortgage actually goes down because when I bought it, I bought it with a high interest loan of 11 percent. Mm -hmm. And when I refinance, I get another loan that's only like six percent. So now my cash flow goes up like six, seven thousand dollars. So my cash flow goes up. I pull one point two million tax free. And there's also this thing called a cost segregation, which you can only do this in multifamily real estate which is basically you can write off up to 39 years of expenses that you'll incur on, on the building, mm -hmm. but you can write that off immediately. So in basically like an engineer comes out and they do an analysis and they're like, yeah, like in 39 years, you'll probably spend X on toilets, X on the roof, X on this. And whatever that number amount is, you're able to write it off that, that year one. Mm -hmm. So for me, that number amount was 700,000. Mm -hmm. So I bought this building made 1.2 million tax free, make around 10K a month net from the building. And immediately I was able to write off 700K in taxes for my online business. So I'm offsetting my main businesses uh, taxes and I'm also acquiring assets at the same time. And with that 1.2, I'll go buy the, I'll go buy the 88 unit and I'll just keep doing it over and over again. So yeah, bro, multifamily is literally like a wealth hack. So, <laughs> I'll break this mic right now. Let me. Hello. So then, what's the what's the strategy? It's essentially the same strategy that you're going to do over uh, with the 88 unit as well. I mean, the yeah, the 88 unit. Yeah. So like real estate, bro. It, what I've realized is it's really only worth it at scale. Okay. Like the more units you have, the safer it is. A lot of people like they look at 24 units and they're like, "Whoa, like that's a big risk." But right. No, it's riskier to have four units than it is to have 80. Okay. And I'll break it down like. If you have a four, like I have a four unit, I have a quadplex in Cincinnati too. Okay. So the thing with, if you only have a couple units, like let's say the roof on my quadplex breaks. Right. 
that's already like fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Let's say an AC unit breaks, that's five thousand dollars. And keep in mind, if you have a quadplex, let's say your mortgage is fifteen hundred a month to two thousand a month, everyone in there is paying like eight hundred to nine hundred dollars a month, you're making maybe like two K net a month. Maybe three K net a month if mm-hmm. if your costs are really low. So at three K net a month on a quadplex, if one AC unit breaks, you're already in the red. Mm-hmm. If two AC units break, you're really in the red. Mm-hmm. If one tenant doesn't pay rent that month, you're in the red, mm-hmm. right? So when when you have more units, like let's say when you have 88 units, you're protected by the scale of units. Right. Because if an AC unit breaks, what is $5,000 for an AC when you have 88 people paying you $900 a month? Right. What is a roof that's breaking when you have 88 people paying you $900 a month? Mm-hmm. So you're protected by the units. 10 people can not pay rent and you'll still be in profit. Mm-hmm. 20 people cannot pay rent and you're still in profit. Mm-hmm. 30 people could not pay rent and you're still in profit because you're protected by the number of units that you have. So that's oh. what I've learned while being in this game. And to break down that 88 unit deal. Let's do it. So that's a $7.7 million property. Mm-hmm. You're going to need about $1.5 million down to buy it. Mm-hmm. But... Once we take all the rents from 900 to about the same as I did the 24, like 1495, mm-hmm. that building will, will be worth 16 million. So you're looking at like a, it it does need like two million of renovation. But the cool thing about multifamily loans is as long as you come up with the down payment, they give you the money for the renovation. It's wrapped in the loan, so you don't have to front the renovation cost. So this 7.7 million dollar building, it'll need a two million dollar renovation, which the bank will give me. We'll go ahead and do that. And then, uh, so now I'll be $9 million all in. It's worth 16 ARV. So that spread, which is about $7 million, is what the cash out refinance will be. And that's, again, you know, completely tax-free. That's silly. That is... And then the tax write-off on that, if I save seven hundred k with my 24 unit, right. then you can only imagine what the it's tax over. write-off is going to be on this one. Bro, it's over. That is crazy. And essentially, this is essentially, I don't like using the word play, but this is something that you're going to just keep washing, rinsing, and repeating over and over again. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Yeah. And like, you know, multifamily, like a lot of people look at it too and they're like, wow, like I, I would want to get into it, but I right. can't afford the down payment. You can raise the down payment. Okay. The thing is, if you got a good deal, people will throw money at you. Right. And the way you pay people back is with the cash out refinance. Mm-hmm. Like if if I wanted to do this 24 unit with no money, I could have raised 400,000 mm-hmm. Four people, $100,000 each, mm-hmm. pay them 20% interest. Mm-hmm. And when I cash out refinance that 1.2 mil, now you have the money to pay everyone back and you just keep the difference. So I know people that do deals like that, too. One of my boys, he has 200 units on Atlanta. Right. And he's never put a dollar in any of his deals. Ladies and gentlemen, we may need to do a part two real estate edition because this is this is getting silly. This is this is ridiculous. <laughs> that is crazy. So now that now that now leads to my next question, right? Because I know you're 24. Yeah. I know 24 year olds who are in the e-commerce space. I also know 24 year olds who are in the real estate space, mm-hmm. and I also know 24 year olds who are in like the gym ownership space as well, right? I don't know a 24 year old that wears all three hats. So could you talk a little bit about? what that experience has been like, right? Because now you're essentially overseeing and managing multiple businesses. And we actually talked about this a little bit off camera. What is that experience like now in terms of just your overall day-to-day and just navigating that? Yeah, man. I mean, I will say one thing, like um, 
I don't recommend it. <laughs> I don't he was like, yo, hey, bro, go, go ahead. I, I don't recommend it because I'm real big on like just focusing on one thing. Like my favorite book is The One Thing by Gary Keller. Right. So like I'm literally not I'm not following the principles anymore because I have so much shit going on. This so. man just broke down a play and said, yeah, don't do it. Like, I, I, I yeah, no, focus on one thing. Right. I tell people all the time, focus on one thing. And until you make at least seven figures with that one thing, then right. maybe look at something else. Right. But, um, man, it's, it's, it's hard. I'm not going to lie, mm. but, uh, I've been blessed enough to have such a good team mm. in each one of these businesses where like I can rely on them to like run everything. Mm. So, um, if you are going to have multiple businesses, Make sure that one of your skills or at least someone on your team's skills is hiring people so you can literally just manage it. Because without good people in place in these businesses, mm-hmm. then, you know, I would I would be all over the place. Right. So. Between all three of these businesses as an entrepreneur, which one would you say has challenged you the most in a good way in terms of just helping you grow as an entrepreneur? I'd probably say the... Um, challenged me the most is probably real estate just okay. because i knew i mean real estate and the gym honestly because i knew nothing about either industry before right. getting into it you know i jumped into real estate i paid bold in twenty five thousand, but i knew nothing about real estate like i didn't knew literally zero because mm. and it's because i've always followed the principle of focusing on one thing mm. the only thing i knew about was e-commerce mm. i didn't know about anything else mm. Um, but you know, I was able to learn and the same thing with the gym. I knew nothing about the gym business, right? but I was able to learn And my formula is pretty simple. Like anything that I get into, I just pay the people that have already, you know, mastered that industry. Right. And I just learned from them. Like even the gym, like, uh, I don't know if you know, or you probably do Alex Hermosi. Of course. Yes. And you know, he has gym launch, right? right. Like we're in gym launch. Really? Like, we, we paid gym launch to teach us how to run a profitable gym. Right. So it's like I got into the gym industry, paid him. Now we're learning. He's putting us on game and it's working. Right. And then it's the same thing with real estate. You know, I got into I wanted I decided that I wanted to get into real estate. Mm-hmm. I found the best guy in Atlanta, paid him. And, you know, I was able to buy my first building, about to buy my second. And I think it's uh, it sounds so simple. But if you pay people that have the results that you want mm-hmm. and you follow their blueprint that they've already proven works because mm-hmm. they have the success themselves, mm-hmm. you will speed up like your success path yeah and to that point my mentor actually said something and you'll appreciate this and we all know this as entrepreneurs when it comes to wherever you're trying to go as an entrepreneur and as a business owner you're gonna pay the mm-hmm. question is do you want to pay in time or do you want to pay in money right and as an entrepreneur i think a lot of new entrepreneurs struggle to understand this but your greatest resource is not money it's time mm-hmm. how can i save as much as my time as possible how can i get back as much of my time as possible and you really just broke it down it doesn't matter if you're trying to get an e-commerce trucking real estate gym you have to find one person that's exactly where you want to be whatever they're charging you to pay as long as they're legit and you've done your due diligence and you know that this person is who they say they are pay them Because essentially, if you don't pay them, you're going to have to pay the time of the years that you had to spend or like Ed Bolden had to spend or Alex Hormozzi and his team had to spend to learn the information that they're essentially giving to you for a fraction of what they had to pay in order for them to get it. So that that's that's it in and of itself. I'm also curious to know with the level of success, because like you say, you're 24. Right. Um, What's the social life like now? Because I'm sure you have a lot of people. You're originally from Florida. Yeah, I was born in Miami. My family's from Nicaragua, though. Got you, got you. Oh, you're Nicaraguan? Yeah. Got you, got you, got you, got you. So what's the social life like now? Because I'm sure you still have people that you grew up with that see where you were before and where you mm-hmm. are now. What are those conversations like? Are those conversations still even happening? Like, are you still connected with certain people? Um, are you kind of more to yourself now to where it's like you don't really talk to too many individuals because you just have so many different things going on? Talk to me a little bit about that. 
So, I mean, I would say like uh, my social life is better than it used to be. I mean, definitely a couple of years ago, I was I was locked in man. I was barely talking to anybody because I was so focused on what I was doing. Um, and I was so also like hands on on all my businesses. Mm. Now that I have people in place, I have more time to myself and I'm able to kind of like, you know, spend more time with like friends and and all that. And, and I'm blessed to be able to do that because I will say like working hard is cool and everything, but don't sacrifice relationships for it man because you never know like when when things are going to happen so um yeah I, I have a good social life and I, luckily a lot of the friends that i had in high school before i even got into business they're in business now too so we can mm. have those like high level conversations and still talk about like the stuff we were talking about before we were entrepreneurs and stuff like that too so i feel like that's tough to do because a lot of times depending on the area you come from you can very rarely will you ever find a friend that'll see you have a level of success and be like, oh, okay, instead of me trying to compete with Will, I can learn from Will and see, even if I'm not able to get to his level, at least advance my current situation. So to yeah. hear that people that you grew up with aren't envious, they aren't jealous, and they're like, oh, shoot, Will is doing X, is doing seven figures, eight figures, however much, bro, if he, if I could, if he could just give me a little bit of game so, right. I could, so I could level up, bro, I'm winning, right? right? Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a lot of friends that, you know, they've seen my success mm -hmm. and they didn't even take like the route that I took as far as like Amazon and everything, but the I think the um just the motivation and inspiration they got from it was enough for them to spark their own like endeavors. Like I have a lot of friends that I grew up with that are in their own industries now. Like one of my friends, he has a moving business, mm -hmm. does like six figures a year. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my friends, he has his own program where he teaches people, he has a fitness program that he's going crazy with. Like we have, uh, you met Pat and Alexis. They're going crazy with yep. their with their sales program and everything, right. sales training. Right. Like so, I have a lot of friends that you know they've seen what I've done. They've been able to do you know things for themselves that right. have nothing to do with what I'm doing, but they were just able to take that motivation and go far with it. Um, I think the gym makes it easy too because um, I don't have to like individually meet up with a lot of people because right. when I go to my gym, mm -hmm. a lot of my friends are there and I can catch up with them in the morning real quick before I get to work. Yeah. And those conversations that I have with them daily, you know, you know, they mean a lot and it, it keeps us connected too. Are you dating? Nah, not, not right now. You, so you don't got a shorty? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Does, do you feel like with the success, it makes it because that's always an ongoing thing, right? Where it's like it's kind of hard to weed out like who's for you, who's really not for you. Is that mm -hmm. does that make it a little bit trickier for you? Do you feel? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I haven't really focused on on getting a girl at all, mm -hmm. just because like I think it would be selfish if I did, just because you're locked in. I'm locked in, yeah. So yeah. it's like if I did get a girlfriend, she's probably gonna get mad at me eventually because I'm yeah. not gonna be spending time with her. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I do think to answer your question, yeah, I do think it's tricky when you meet a girl. And you're already successful because you don't really know like what she wants. Mm. So I mean, yeah, if you have a girl, man, and, and you got her before you came up, hey, hey, keep her, man. Yeah, <laughs> salute. Yeah, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper to something a little bit more on the personal side. If it's alright with you, I know that you recently had a close friend of yours pass, um, yeah. Gerald Morena. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because. I actually got connected to him literally right before he passed. Obviously, you've known him basically your entire life. I was shocked by the news. I can only imagine, you know, the effect that it had on you. And coming into this interview, kind of internalizing his passing, there was a quote. I don't know if you ever heard this quote. It's actually from Jim Carrey where he says, uh, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer and that it doesn't mean anything, right? And the only reason I share that quote with you now, because I'm curious to know, like, Obviously, you've had a massive amount of success um, at this point now of being 24. But 
in the same vein of you dealing with that passing of your close friend Gerald, has that put a lot of you know what you're working towards and just all the success that you've had now into perspective in terms of understanding what truly matters in the journey of all this? Could you talk a little bit about that as well? I mean, yeah, it was definitely a a big re- reminder for me that, uh, and I said this earlier that you know success isn't everything, and you shouldn't sacrifice your relationships mm. for success. Um, I was blessed enough to you know go on a lot of trips with Gerald and spend a lot of time with him before he passed. Mm. Um, that that was actually like he was like a big brother to me. That's my cousin. Mm. Um, although my also also my best friend. Right. So um yeah, I mean it put things in perspective to me. I was like yeah, like I'm right because a lot of times sometimes I might um be hard on myself for having like fun or like hang out with my friends but then i remember like yeah like at the end of the day like if i hit the goals that i set out for myself right i think it's the memories that we share with people and the relationships the relationships that we have that really matter Mm -hmm. so um you shouldn't sacrifice those just to hit a goal because we're entrepreneurs once we hit that goal we're gonna have a next one immediately yeah so like why does it really matter you know yeah. Go at a pace that you're comfortable going at and then make sure to keep those relationships and and um, just spend time with the people you love because you never know when they're going to go. That's um, it. And in Gerald's case, you know, I was able to do that. So that brings me peace. Yeah, I miss him, but um, he's definitely going to live through uh, the work that I do in the future. The 88 unit that I'm about to get and all the future buildings that I'm about to get, too, I'm going to name some of them after him, too. Wow. Just uh, leave that staple, you know, in Atlanta. So. Yeah, I appreciate. Like I said, I know that was a very touchy subject for you, but I appreciate you just being transparent about that. That's that's incredible, man. And and you know, more importantly than that, I thank you for just coming on here and just sharing your story and talking about just everything that's led you up into this point. I know you're a super busy man, so we got to get you out of here. Before we do, um, I wanted to give you a second, of course, to let the people know where they could find you and just talk a little bit about what you got going on. I mean, you got ecom degree university. Right. I know you got your free weekly class that you're doing where you're giving people the Amazon game as well. Talk to them a little bit about that. Your camera's right here. Let them know. Yes, yeah, so I appreciate you having me on first, bro. Thank you so much. It was an honor. My right. name is William Rivera. You guys can keep up with me on Instagram at Will Change Lives. That's at Will Change Lives. I also post weekly YouTube content as well. Um, you can just search my name on YouTube, William Rivera. And if you want to get tapped into the e-commerce game, you want to learn how to get into Amazon Wholesale, whether it's FBM or FBA, you want to spend more time with me. Um, every single Sunday, I actually do a two-hour free class. And you can find that class on www.ecomdegreeworkshop.com slash live. That's www.ecomdegreeworkshop.com slash live. I've been doing this live Sunday class for the past two years. Complete fire. Uh, Make sure to come with notebook, pen, paper, and ready to take action. Because I tell people all the time, knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is. So you got to apply it if you want to see the results. There you go. And for anyone who's watching this, let's close the interview out with this. I want you to finish this sentence for me. You should not get into the Amazon wholesale space if blank. If you're trying to get rich quick, right? And I think you should replace the beginning with any business, Mm. right? Um, If you don't have like a burning desire to be successful, if you're not ambitious, if you're not a hustler, if you're not willing to do what it takes to be successful with any business, then entrepreneurship really isn't for you. 
Come on now. Come on yeah. now. Will Rivera, man. I appreciate you for coming on, brother. It was an honor to have you on. I appreciate you for giving my audience the game on top of game. And I appreciate all y'all for tapping into this episode. If you haven't already, what are you doing? Listen, take a second, take a minute, take an hour out of your day right here, right now to show this episode love, some love by slapping the like button, subscribing to the channel, and making sure you tap it with my guy at Will Change, change, live, change Lives mm-hmm. on all platform. I appreciate each and every single one of you. Um, as always, make sure you tune into his free weekly live. I don't think you've missed a Sunday since you started doing a class. Yeah, no, nah, I've never missed a Sunday. This is ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure y'all tap. Make sure y'all tap into this free class. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mar Francois. That's Will Rivera. We've been good. Y'all have been great. This has been amazing. And as always, thank you and God bless. Peace.